The earth and everything in it belongs to the Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. We're going to join in by singing, This is my Father's world. Please stand as we sing. blessings and gifts that you bestow upon us. We realize that you sought us before we ever even knew you. We thank you for the gift of Jesus coming, living among us, dying for us, give us the opportunity to have an eternity with you. We thank you for living within us and giving us the peace, the joy, the contentment that comes from knowing that you are always with us. We pray that the voices, the music, the words that you hear today bring delight to you, a smile to your face. We pray that these words that are given today soften the hearts of those that need softening, strengthen the hearts that need strengthening, which we all do. We ask that you bless these offerings given today. Bless those that give it. And give wisdom to those that make the decisions on how to use it. In Christ's name, amen.
right. Thank you, choir. We stand in the power of the Lord, the risen Lord. We celebrated his resurrection last Sunday, and we celebrate it today and every Sunday. Were it not for that, we wouldn't be here. But because of that, we have every reason to be here and worship and make sure we tell others. There's a passage in John 20 that occurs a week after Easter. And that's where we are today. It's the appearance of Jesus to Thomas. We call him the doubting Thomas. Maybe he's just the honest Thomas. Maybe he's honest about his doubts and how he works through them to greater faith can be a model for us. John 20, verse 19 says this. On the evening of that day, which is Easter Sunday, the doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, which was a week later because the Jews counted the first day and the last, so it was the following Sunday. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. The doors were shut, but Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not be faithless, but believing. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Shall we pray? <clears throat> Father, we haven't had the privilege of seeing you in the flesh as did the eleven disciples including Thomas. And because we haven't had that opportunity, we can receive an extra blessing. Because you say, blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. So help us to believe, Lord. Help us to overcome whatever doubt, whatever reservation or hesitancy might lurk within our hearts. And open ourselves fully and freely to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. In verse 24, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Have you ever doubted? Your faith? 
You probably have, if you're honest. Maybe it was after an illness or a death or something that didn't work out the way you wanted it to in your life. Or maybe it was after Easter Sunday when we celebrated the resurrection. You know, belief in the fact that someone was raised from the dead takes a leap of faith. Thomas was not with the other disciples when they, Jesus came and stood among them because he had withdrawn from the fellowship of the group. He missed being with them for one of the first appearances of their resurrected Lord. And it happened on Sunday evening. The first one after Jesus' crucifixion and the day of resurrection. The events of the previous week had surely shaken all of Jerusalem. Who could explain the darkness and the thunder and the earthquake and the torn temple veil and the strange sequence of events that transpired that previous week? And then there were rumors circulating that Sunday. Women spoke of an empty tomb and angelic voices trembling guards who had been posted to seal the tomb but deserted their post, something punishable by death, unheard of among the Roman guard. A massive stone rolled away, ecstatic believers who stuttered the impossible, Jesus is alive, Jesus is alive. The stories must have been buzzing up and down the streets of Jerusalem. So on Sunday evening, The disciples gathered once again in the upper room where they had just observed the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, three nights earlier. Everyone was present, everyone that is except for Judas, who had departed, and Thomas. Locking the door securely behind them, they huddled in fear. They knew well the hatred that still burned in the hearts of those who crucified Jesus, Maybe they would come after them in an attempt to keep their mouths shut and seal this chapter forever. Maybe their names were on a list for execution. It would be nothing for the Jews to request the Romans to do a little something more in order to keep peace. So 10 of the 12 met in silent terror, listening for that creak of stairs that might signal the arrival of the Sanhedrin guard. They flocked together like little baby chicks seeking protection. Suddenly, without warning, Jesus was standing in the middle of them. The door was still locked and bolted, but there he was. He said, peace be with you. It was a a typical Middle, Middle Eastern greeting, shalom. But at that moment, it meant much more because they hadn't known any peace since they had last met with him in that upper room. The appearance of the risen Christ to his disciples confirmed the rumors that had been circulating. It calmed their fears. It removed their doubts. Later, the absent Thomas was told what he had missed. Didymus, the twin, as he's sometimes called, let something prevent him from being with the other ten that evening. But what in the world was it? His problem was his doubt. When he was told of Jesus' appearance to the disciples, he said, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and place my finger in that mark and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. So Thomas had doubts, but to his credit, Thomas didn't give up. He continued meeting with the disciples after that Sunday night. He listened to the story of the resurrected Lord day after day, and maybe Thomas had begun to doubt his doubts. 
as they retold the story among themselves. Then the following Sunday, the Sunday after Easter, the Sunday after Jesus was raised from the dead, guess what happened? Jesus appeared again. The doors were shut and bolted just as they had been the week before, but this time Thomas was there. The doors that had locked him out to doubt now locked him in to faith. And when Thomas experienced the presence of the risen Lord, his doubts were removed and his faith was revived. And I think looking at Thomas gives us a good model on how to deal with doubt. And I must say, I love that about the Bible because it doesn't gloss over the weaknesses of Jesus' followers. Almost everything you and I face, they faced. And so we can learn from their mistakes when we make them too. So how do we deal with doubt when questions arise? How do we handle them when experiences in life seem to challenge our faith? How do we deal with them? When the throne of God seems silent in the midst of a crisis, what are we supposed to do when bad things happen to good people? What does that do to our faith? When Jesus re-enters the room, are we still there waiting and hoping, or have we given up and thrown the towel in on our faith? The lesson of Thomas shows us how to get the benefit of the doubt and move toward greater faith. First of all, in your outline, when doubt keeps us out, it did for Thomas when the disciples were gathering. Twice, John emphasizes the doors were shut and bolted. They were locked so no one could get in or out, secured against outsiders. And it symbolized the, the door that was bolted on Thomas's heart. And so we've called him the Doubting Thomas. But I think that's giving him a, a, a bad rap. Because in all fairness, his doubts weren't all that different from the other disciples before they had seen the resurrected Jesus. They must have been afraid and doubtful too. They just kept getting together through the tough times. Thomas' doubts kept him away from that first Sunday gathering of the group. As a matter of fact, if you look up Thomas in a concordance, almost every time he's mentioned in the gospel, he is struggling with some kind of doubt or confusion or misunderstanding. Back in John eleven sixteen, 16, Jesus is told that Lazarus has died. And when the disciples hear of it, Thomas says, let us die with Lazarus too. Where did that come from? In 14, 5, Jesus is telling his disciples that he is going to prepare a place for them. And when he goes, he will come again and receive them unto himself. And Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And then here in 2025, Thomas is the one who says, unless I see the prince in his hands and put my fist in his side, I will not believe. He's really struggling, isn't he? Each time there is doubt and uncertainty about Jesus' identity. But who are we to point fingers at him? Thomas just wanted a little more proof, a little more, a little firsthand experience. He wanted more than hearsay. He wanted to witness the truth for himself. So this lack of evidence kept Thomas out of the upper room that Sunday evening. I wonder why. Three things came to mind that might have prevented Thomas from being there. 
initially. The first, maybe it was fear that kept him away. Thomas wasn't a coward. Don't get me wrong, none of the disciples could have been cowards and followed Jesus as long as they did. But Thomas saw the hatred that was heaped upon Jesus at the arrest and trial and crucifixion, and maybe it just took its toll after a while. Thinking about all this, maybe Thomas decided that hanging out with the disciples was just too big a risk. And incidentally, the fear of death and persecution still keeps many would-be disciples in the safe shadows of neutrality today. Maybe it's not death or persecution you fear. Maybe young people you fear being made fun of at school for being a Jesus freak. Or young adult at work for being a, a holy roller. Maybe somebody is going to make fun of you for being a Christian. So have you been reluctant to give a witness, to be bold in your witness because you are afraid of what it might cost you, your friends, your family, your fun? Well, what if it cost you your life? Sometimes fear causes us to doubt. Sometimes pessimism causes us to doubt. Just when it seemed like things couldn't get any worse for the disciples, it did. Thomas seldom lacked courage, but maybe he was a pessimist. He just knew things were going to go badly. He feared the worst and it always managed to happen. Jesus' enemies did what Thomas had feared the most. The arrest and trial and, and execution seemed like a bad dream, but it wasn't. Their leader was dead, and the way Thomas described Jesus in verse 25 shows that he was well aware of the Roman practice of crucifixion. He wanted to see the place in his hands where the nails were and in his side where the spear had been. Thomas knew well what had happened, and it was devastating to him. Defeat and pessimism led to doubt, and doubt caused Thomas' faith to shrink. Have you ever been defeated by doubts? Has the spirit of pessimism discouraged you and, and made you cynical? Maybe someone watching by television this morning, you've given up on the faith because of pessimism and, and things that you feel like God has let you down in in the past. Take heart. The Bible is your book. It's full of people who were plagued by pessimism whose faith got hammered out on the anvil of doubt. Don't let pessimism keep you away. Or maybe it was grief that kept Thomas away from the upper room that Sunday evening. No doubt Thomas loved Jesus. He loved him so much he was willing to go to Jerusalem at the risk of death, and the others were hesitant. Then when what Thomas feared the most happened... It must have broken his heart. Thomas had committed his life to this Lord, and they killed him. Maybe Thomas was so grief-stricken, he just didn't want to be around anybody. Have you known somebody like that when they're sad? They don't want others around them. They just want to go off by themselves and be left alone. You try to put your arms around them, and they say, just leave me alone. They're hurting. They're grieving. But grief not shared leads to loneliness. And facing his sorrow alone, he missed the appearance of Jesus and the strength of his friends. 
So when the news of Jesus' appearance arrived, it was too good to be true, too hard to believe. The mysteries and complexities of life create doubt to keep us away from faith, and Satan will use any tool he can to make that happen. Fear, pessimism, grief may have kept Thomas away on that first Sunday. But here's what is really interesting. That same doubt that shut Thomas out can also usher us in to deeper faith. There's a benefit of doubt that can help us grow. So if fear and pessimism and grief created a doubt that kept Thomas out, how did he overcome it? When the disciples met that following Sunday, this time Thomas was with them, what difference had occurred on the inside with the others instead of on the outside alone? What was it that helped Thomas to grow through his doubt and discover faith? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is obvious is Christian fellowship. Thomas must have realized that his big mistake was withdrawing from the fellowship of the other disciples when he was hurting. He sought loneliness instead of togetherness. And isolated like an iceberg in the middle of the Gulf Stream, his faith began to melt. And since Thomas was not with the other disciples on that first Sunday after the resurrection, he missed the appearance of the risen Lord. And so from that point forward, Thomas the twin started meeting with the disciples Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, seeing the light of faith in their eyes and hearing the words of assurance from their lips that kept his hopes alive. And so the next Sunday morning, Thomas was met by the risen Christ when he remained with his band of brothers. You know, you really miss out on a lot when you try to separate yourself from other Christians and go it alone. Things, good things happen when you're with other believers that will never happen when you're by yourself. And that's why Jesus built his church to establish a group of loving, caring members of the body of Christ to help the helpless and hope the hopeless. When grief and difficulty and disappointment come your way, don't shut yourself out. Don't isolate yourself. I see that happen time and again. Someone is going through a crisis and instead of coming to church where people can gather around them and love on them, they withdraw. Instead of shutting yourself out from others, that is exactly the time when you should seek the fellowship of God's people because that's where you find Jesus. After all, the church is the body of Christ. So find help in Christian fellowship. Secondly, Thomas overcame his doubt when he learned the truth. Thomas was an honest man. He just called it as he saw it. He wouldn't say he understood when he didn't or that he believed when he couldn't. He wouldn't quiet his doubts by pretending they don't exist. He just said, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and place my finger in their mark and place my hand in his side, I, I can't believe. I will not believe. Is that so bad to say? Were all the other disciples just aghast at his refusal to accept their word for it? Someone has said, there is more faith in honest doubt than in half the creeds. 
There is more faith in honest doubt than in half the creeds. In other words, a man who struggles with his faith and wrestles with it in the midst of life is better off than someone who glibly repeats ideas he has never thought through or values he has never tested for himself. Most of the great fathers of our faith had times of testing and trial, and it was those dark days that grew their faith to greatness. A week of deep soul-searching led Thomas to the truth, and that truth brought him greater faith. There's a sign above a doorway of a church in England that I love. It's been there a long time, and it says, Fear knocked at the door. Faith answered. There was no one there. Fear knocked at the door. Faith answered. There was no one there. What that means is when fear beats a path to your door, face it head on with faith and it will flee from your presence. Thomas saw the truth. Third way that Thomas overcame his doubts and found deeper faith was the presence of Jesus himself, a personal encounter with the risen Lord. Can you imagine what went through Thomas's mind when Jesus appeared and then turned and looked at him face to face, eyeball to eyeball, and repeated exactly what Thomas had said the week before in his absence? Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not be faithless but believing. Thomas must have collapsed. His legs gave way and he exclaimed, My Lord and my God! The doors were locked securely a second time. Jesus was there. It was more than a surprise that that Thomas gave Jesus. It was a commitment. When Thomas was sure his Commitment was complete. My Lord and my God. His assurance came through the appearance of the risen Christ. Jesus provided the proof he required. He offered himself. Through Christian fellowship and the truth and Jesus himself, Thomas moved through doubt to deeper faith. So you see, I don't think doubt necessarily has to be a bad thing unless you wallow in it indefinitely. If it is a time of thought and growth and study and conversation with God and prayer and Bible study, you can work through doubt to even deeper, closer faith and walk with God. Do you have the certainty that Thomas has? Can you say as he did, my Lord and my God, that same living Lord wants to come to you and transform your doubts into faith if you'll just let him. Jesus said to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. How about you? I know you've never had the opportunity to see Jesus in the flesh. You've never had the opportunity to put your finger in his wounds of his hands or your hand in his side. But Jesus says, 
you can still believe. And he gave a beatitude. He said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Don't be faithless, but believing. Don't let your doubts keep you away from Jesus. Get the benefit of the doubt and go through it to a deeper faith with Him. Jesus promised if you can believe, you will be blessed. So where are you on a scale of faith? Where, what does your meter register from zero to 10? If zero is no faith and 10 is absolute certainty, where are you in your faith? What will it take for you to move a couple of steps along so one day, like Thomas, you can bow and say, my Lord and my God, blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. Shall we pray? Father, here we are a week after Easter. And there's some here today that weren't here last week. Several who were here last week who aren't here today. But we're all at different points in our walk of faith. Some are just starting out. Some have been with you for a long time. Some have a faith that's shallow. Some have a faith that's deep. Some, when entering into a crisis, that faith struggles and doubt takes over. Father, help us like Thomas to use doubt to grow deeper. Not to stay away from the Christian fellowship, from the truth, from Jesus himself, but, but to come back and to find what we need in order to believe. You have already provided it. Blessed we will be when we believe even without seeing because you have shown yourself to us in so many other ways and you've given us yourself. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. In your name we pray, amen. In our early service this morning, Haley Harden and Tucker Matthews came upon profession of faith. And by statement, Nita and Tom Beery, and by baptism, Elsie and Brett Beery. Perhaps today you need to make a decision. You need to profess your faith publicly, one that you have had but held privately because of doubt and fear. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. Maybe you need to take a step out and join our church today. Whatever decision, you make it. While we stand and sing an invitational hymn, I am thine, O Lord. You come as we stand and sing. I'll be at the front to receive you.